0: Section 46. Living Animals of the World. Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Living Animals of the World. Volume 2. Book 5. Chapter 2. Insects Part 3. Stinging Four-Winged Insects, or Ants, bees and wasps and their allies by w f kirby the order of insects to which the ants bees and wasps belong includes a very large number of species all these are provided with four membranous wings alike in consistency and provided with comparatively few nervures the wings are usually of small size as compared with the dimensions of the insects but are very powerful owing to the fore and hind pair being connected together during flight by a series of little links, and the flight of the insects is usually very rapid. These insects pass through a perfect metamorphosis, the pupa being always inactive. The jaws are provided with mandibles, though proboscis, or sucking tube, is also present, and the abdomen of the female is armed with an ovipositor, or boring instrument which is frequently modified into a powerful sting used to deposit the eggs in their proper position. One peculiarity is that several species of ants, bees, and wasps live in large communities in which the bulk of the inhabitants, on whom most of the work of the nest falls, are imperfectly developed and usually sterile females called neuters or workers. This arrangement is also met within the white ants, which belong to the order of laced-winged insects. Among both the ants and white ants, the neuters are unprovided with wings, but these organs are present in the fully developed males and females, though soon cast. A great variety of other insects also belong to this order, such as sawflies, gall flies, and an immense number of parasitic species, generally called ichneumon flies, among which are some of the smallest insects known this extensive order of insects is divided into two principal sections those in which the ovipositor is used as a saw or an auger and those in which it is modified into a sting one of the most interesting sections of the borers includes the sawflies, in which the boring instrument is modified into a pair of toothed saws which are used for cutting incisions and leaves or in the tender bark of twigs in which to deposit the eggs these flies have four transparent wings sometimes stained with yellow or purple and their bodies are moderately stout and obtuse and generally black red or yellow the antennae are very variable in form and sometimes knobbed at the end like those of a butterfly sometimes they are formed of a number of long slender joints sometimes of only three a moderately long basal one a short middle one and a long terminal one composed of a number of joints united into one and rarely as in the case of the males some small species about half an inch long which feed on fir and pine the antennae are feathered the grubs are very like caterpillars and are sometimes called false caterpillars but a true caterpillar except in one or two very rare exceptions among foreign species has never more than sixteen legs while these false caterpillars have more often as many as twenty-two they also resemble caterpillars in another way for the pupae are enclosed in cocoons one interesting australian species which feeds on gum trees proceeds from a black caterpillar with only six legs the perfect insect has a blackish head and thorax with three large yellow spots on the latter yellowish antennae and wings and a green abdomen it measures about an inch and a half across the wings and has knobbed antennae. An allied species found in Tasmania is said to tend its young larvae, an unusual habit, except among social insects like bees, wasps, and ants. Among the commonest and the most destructive sawflies in England are those feeding upon the currant, gooseberry, and pear, of which there are several species measuring about half an inch across the wings the commonest flies which lay their eggs on the gooseberry and currant are yellow with the head antennae and three long spots on the back black and the wings transparent with black veins the grubs are bluish-green with twenty legs and numerous black dots and several may often be seen on one leaf the best known of the pear saw flies is black with the wings transparent except the veins The grub is very like a slug, and is greener yellow, very slimy, with the front of the body much thickened. The wood wasps include only a few species, the grubs of which live in the stems of plants, or in the solid wood of trees. One of the largest feeds on fir or pine trees, and the fly measures from half an inch to an inch and a half in length, and varies much in size, though the male is generally much smaller than the female. The female is yellow with two black bands and a stout ovipositor half as long as the abdomen. In the male the tip of the abdomen is black and ends in a rectangular point. The wings are transparent with yellow nervures. Next to these insects comes the gall flies, most of which produce round galls on oaks and in some species we meet with a wingless brood living alternately with the winged broods but at the roots of the trees instead of in the open air the veining of the wings is reduced to one or two veins the antennae are rather long and not angulated and the abdomen is short and constricted at the base the flies seldom measure more than a half an inch across the wings some galls are hard like the one found on the turkey oak from which ink is made while others are large and juicy, resembling cherries or small apples, among which is the so-called apple of Sodom. Others, like the bedeguar, which is found on roses, have a mossy appearance. The latter are produced by a small black sawfly with part of the legs and, in the female, the base of the abdomen, red beneath. Some of the smaller gall flies do not produce galls, but are parasitic on other insects. But galls are very liable to the parasitic attacks of other insects, especially to those of small, brilliant, metallic, green, four-winged flies belonging to an allied family with very few nervures, but with a black membranous spot on the front edge of the fore wings and angulated antennae. Many galls do not begin to grow until the larva is hatched and begins to eat. We now come to five or six families of parasitic species, popularly called inknuman flies, and immensely numerous and varied. There are probably considerably over two thousand species in England alone, but they are comparatively little known or studied. Some of these have beautifully delicate wings, fringed with long bristles, and are among the smallest insects known, being of quite microscopic dimensions. These are parasitic on the eggs of various insects, and some are aquatic. But the more typical Inchneumon flies are of larger size, often measuring more than an inch across the wings. Their bodies are usually black or yellow, and there is often an irregularly shaped space in the middle of the forewing, where the veins of the wing converge. In these flies, the ovipositor is very short, but in others it is of great length, especially in the case of the largest British insect of this group, which is parasitic on the larvae of the great black and yellow wood wasp, of which we have already spoken this parasite is as large as the wood wasp but much more slender it is black with red legs and two white dots on each segment of the abdomen the ovipositor which looks like three black threads is as long as the whole body the numerous parasites of which we have spoken usually deposit their eggs in punctures in the bodies of caterpillars or other immature insects which the grubs devour from within during the life of their victim, leaving it to die when they themselves have reached their full growth. Intermediate between the boring and stinging insects of this order comes the small family of the ruby-tailed flies. These are brilliantly colored bronze-red, blue, or green-metallic four-winged flies, with the thorax covered with large depressions, and the abdomen smooth and usually composed, as seen from above, of one large, smooth joint, and one or two much smaller, coarsely punctured ones beyond it, the last ending in a variable number of short teeth. They roll themselves up in a ball when alarmed, and are parasites depositing their eggs in the nests of other insects. An entomologist once saw a ruby-tailed fly hurled to the ground by a mason bee, which had built her nest in a hole in a wall. The fly rolled herself up into a ball when the bee bit off her wings and then flew away, but as soon as she was gone the wingless fly stretched herself out again and climbed at the wall to the bee's nest to deposit her eggs. The group of stinging insects begins with the ants, which are probably the most intelligent animals now living in the world. Different species, however, differ very much in their manners and customs, and in the grade of civilization to which they have attained some of the more industrious among them keep other insects as cattle and even as pets others harvest grain while a few species cultivate grain for their own use and others make large mushroom beds of comminuted leaves and thus do great harm to cultivated trees in many parts of tropical america when the industrious ants are not too busy they sometimes indulge in sports and pastimes but there are some species which live in idle communities such ants are only energetic as marauders and are so degraded that they cannot even feed themselves and starve to death that they are deprived of the services of their black slaves which have been carried off as pupae by the others in piratical raids and brought up by other slaves which do all the work in the nests of their captors quitting the ants we arrive at a rather extensive series of insects of moderate or considerable size and with very spiny legs called burrowing wasps they are brightly colored active insects and generally dig holes in the ground which they provision with caterpillars grasshoppers or spiders which they paralyze with their stings and leave in a moribund condition to form the food of their progeny they are generally winged in both sexes but in one family the females are stout and very hairy and look like large hairy ants, while the males are slender-winged insects, very unlike their partners. In the burrowing wasps, the front of the thorax, or second division of the body, is usually transverse, and often narrow, but in the true wasps, it bends back to the wings. Among these latter, it is only the small group of the social wasps, which are gregarious, and among which we find workers as well as males and females. The largest of the British wasps is the hornet, but there are several much larger species in the East Indies, some of which are black and yellow, like the Chinese mandarin wasp, the largest of all, which often measures two inches across the wings. Others are black, with one large reddish band on the abdomen. Their nests, which they construct of a kind of paper, are formed in a hole in the ground, in a hollow tree, or in a bush or under the eaves of a house a nest is commenced by a single female which has survived the winter and is afterwards enlarged by the exertions of her progeny the last group in this order are the bees they may generally be easily recognized by their shaggy bodies and legs as with the wasps most species are solitary or live in very small communities some few are smooth and more or less metallic a photograph of a large and beautiful South American species appears on the coloured plate. The largest British bees are the stout-bodied humble bees or bumblebees, which are generally yellow, more or less banded with black or else black with a red tail. They form a small nest of cells just beneath the surface of the ground in meadows. A common European species not found in England is the large black violet-winged carpenter bee which makes its nest in a gallery burrowed in a post, where there is a separate compartment for each grub. There are only a few species belonging to the true hive bees found in different parts of the world. They can always be distinguished from any of the solitary bees, some of which much resemble them, by having a single long narrow cell, about four times as long as broad, running along the front edge of the forewing. In the solitary bees, the corresponding cell is much broader and shorter rarely more than one and a half times as long as broad, and only occupying a small portion of the front edge of the wing. Hive bees have always been looked upon with more interest than most other insects, both on account of the valuable products of honey and wax which they produce, and because of their remarkable habits. They are probably less intelligent than ants, but they are larger, and as all classes of their adult population are winged insects, and have been kept in a domesticated or semi-domesticated state for many centuries they have lent themselves more readily to observation the hive-bees live in very large communities and in a state of nature they make their nests in hollow trees or in crevices of rocks where they build their waxen cells store their honey and rear their young there are three classes among them, the queen bee, the female, and the mother of the hive, the male, or drone, and the neuter, or worker, which is really an imperfectly developed and usually sterile female. Like other insects, bees pass through a metamorphosis, which in their case is of the description called complete, for the immature forms of the bees show no resemblance whatever to the winged insect which will finally be perfected every bee commences its life in the form of an egg each egg is laid by the queen bee in a separate cell and in a few days the egg hatches into a white footless maggot which is carefully tended by the workers and fed by them with a preparation secreted by the bees which is carefully graduated not only according to the age of the grub but is differently constituted according to the sex and status of the bee For it is well known that it is in the power of the workers to develop a young grub which would otherwise become a sterile worker into a perfect queen bee, by placing it in a large cell and rearing it on the same nourishing food which is supplied to those grubs which are intended to become perfect queens. When the grub is full grown, it spins itself a small silken cocoon and becomes a pupa, or nymph as it is called. The pupa somewhat resembles a swathed mummy, for all the external portions of the future bee can be seen outlined in the hard casing which encloses it. As soon as it arrives at maturity, it makes its way out through the upper end, when the cell is at once prepared by the other bees for a fresh occupant. The newly born bee is at first moist, flabby, and pale-colored, but in a few hours her skin dries and hardens when she at once commences her lifelong labors, at first tending the young bees and doing other necessary duties in the hive, and then, a fortnight later, going forth with her companions to collect honey and pollen in the meadows and gardens. There is never room for more than one queen bee in a hive, and the queens, which may be recognized by their longer bodies and shorter wings, have such a mortal hatred of each other that, Whenever two of them meet, they will fight, if permitted, until one is killed. But in summer, when young bees are hatching daily in large numbers, and the hive is getting overpopulated, the workers do not permit the queens to fight, and finally one of them, usually the old queen in the first instance, works herself up into a great flurry, and rushes out of the hive, attended by several hundred followers, to seek for fresh fields and pastures new. This is called swarming, and a strong hive will often throw off as many as four or five swarms in the course of the summer. It is then the object of the beekeeper to get the queen to enter a new hive, for otherwise the swarm may fly to a distance and be lost. But wherever the queen bee takes up her abode, her companions will assemble round her, and at once commence the work of building combs and storing up honey. The drone, or male bee, is rather larger than the worker and has a more obtuse body. He may be at once distinguished by his long 13-jointed antennae, or feelers, for the antennae are shorter and only 12-jointed in the queen and worker. There are several hundred drones in a hive, but the queen only pairs once in her life on the wing, and the ceremony is immediately followed by the death of the drone. The drones have no sting, for the sting of the female and worker is really a modified ovipositor, or egg-laying apparatus, analogous to the organ which is so conspicuous in many ink and other insects belonging to the same order as the bees. In the autumn, the unfortunate drones are all massacred, or else driven from the hive by the workers, when they speedily perish. The workers are by far the most numerous of the inhabitants of a beehive. There may be thousands of them, and their number appears to be only limited by the dimensions of the hive itself. The ancients had observed something of the economy of bees, but many of their ideas on the subject were strangely fantastic. It was perhaps natural to suppose that the leader of the bees was a king rather than a queen, but it was also supposed that a swarm of bees could be obtained by killing an ox and leaving the carcass to rot. This notion appears to have originated in swarms of flies, more or less resembling bees, having been noticed flying round or near putrefying carcasses. Among all the truly social insects, i.e. hive bees, wasps, ants, and termites, or so-called white ants, we find that the bulk of the community consists of sterile females, and the number of fertile females is very small, even in those cases where more than one female is permitted to live in a nest, as among wasps. Humble bees live in small communities consisting of males, females, and workers, but their economy is very simple compared to that of the hive bee, and they do not confine themselves to a single female to a nest. The solitary bees are very numerous in species, and consist of only males and females. They do not live in communities, but each female constructs a dwelling for her own young. Many of them burrow on the ground, and they are so far gregarious that a large number of females will sometimes form their burrows near each other in the same bank. There are about 200 different kinds of bees known to inhabit the British Isles. The solitary bees are very varied in their habits, and some of them are parasitic on other species. The large carpenter bees, which form their nests in wood, are not British, but there are some small British species which make theirs in the interior of bramble sticks. Some are very hairy, others are smooth, and look at first sight like small wasps. Being banded with black and yellow. But one of the handsomest and most conspicuous of the solitary species is the fulvous bee, which is a hairy species much resembling a small humble bee, and is one often seen in abundance along with other bees flying round sallow blossoms in spring. This is the end of section forty six by Dave Currier.